Welcome to the podcast of First Presbyterian Church of Marietta, where we are committed to changing lives with faith, hope, and love. We're so glad you are here. Now a second scripture reading from 1 John, 1 John chapter 3, verses 16 to 24. Again, I invite you to listen for the word of the Lord. We know love by this, that he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for one another. How does God's love abide in anyone who has the world's goods and sees a brother or sister in need and yet refuses help? Little children, let us love not in word or speech, but in truth and action. And by this we will know that we are from the truth and will reassure our hearts before Him whenever our hearts condemn us. For God is greater than our hearts and He knows everything. Beloved, if our hearts do not condemn us, we have boldness before God, and we receive from Him whatever we ask because we obey His commandments and do what pleases Him. And this is His commandment, that we should believe in the name of His Son, Jesus Christ, and love one another just as He commanded us. All who obey his commandments abide in him, and he abides in them. And by this we know that he abides in us, by the spirit that he has given us. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. The great religions of the world have so much in common. But there are differences, of course, which, along with the many similarities and commonalities, are also important to pay attention to. For example, last Wednesday morning I was honored to attend a breakfast meeting of local religious leaders hosted by Roswell Street Baptist Church. A, a new friend of mine, Rabbi Larry Cernovitz of Temple Cole Emmeth, was there, and the two of us were talking about the incredible pair of shoes that he had on. And, and as we were talking, a woman handed him his breakfast, hash brown casserole and bacon. Now, this was a moment of difference, which was addressed, politely resolved, and would have been foolish to ignore. For in order for us to eat together, we cannot, reality, we cannot ignore the reality that we don't all eat the same things. That's important to think about. That's, that's how it is. We can't allow what is different to divide us. We, we can't be ignorant of what might offend our friends and neighbors. And there are also moments. When what makes us unique is worth celebrating. Now think for just a minute about uh, what all makes us unique and different from, from Hindus, Sikhs, Buddhists, and Muslims. One unique attribute among many is the image of the shepherd. It is an image of God, a metaphor for understanding the divine, which we share with our, brother, with our uh, Jewish brothers and sisters. The image of the shepherd runs throughout today's worship service, from the call to worship, the prayer of confession, first and second scripture lessons, and all the music which we have heard. 
This image is most associated with the 23rd Psalm, which belonged to the Jewish faith long before Hobby Lobby ever put it on a wall hanging or a beach towel. You might think I'm, I'm kidding about that, but you can get a Psalm 23 beach towel, though the where it really belongs is in our hearts and captured in our minds so that we can recall it when we need it most. For when we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, it is imperative that we know who is with us there. Whenever a Christian thinks about what it means to know who God is, it is a comfort to go back to those most wonderful words which Cheryl, Chohe, Will, and Jeffrey put to music so, so beautifully. You know these words from the, the King James Version, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. I could go on reading this psalm. It is a sermon in and of itself, but I want to stop right there to point out this defining characteristic of our religion, which is right there in the last phrase I read. Namely, that in our faith, to survive, to have salvation, to live, is to be not alone. Think about it. What is it that, that comforts the sheep? It is the presence of the shepherd. And what does the shepherd do, especially for those who wander from the fold, who find themselves lost and alone? The shepherd finds them. The shepherd walks with them. The shepherd brings them back into community. The shepherd restores the isolated into the family of faith. The shepherd seeks out those who are alone so that they won't be alone any longer. Now that's different from some other uh, world religions. Being restored into the community is a different goal from what many are steadily working towards. For some are working towards the peace and quiet of solitude rather than the noise and bickering of the Father's house. I'm thinking now about the enlightened mystic who has discovered the secrets of the universe by quieting the mind. I have this image of a, a hermit guru who sits on top of a mountain, uh, resentful of those who climb up to ask him uh, the meaning of life. These figures that we see from time to time in movies are based on real people like B.J. Gupala who recently spent 17 years living in meditative silence in an Indian forest or the Buddha himself who sat under a Bodhi tree for 49 days straight. They are the, the great adherents of Hindu and Buddhist asceticism. We know that such a strain does exist in Christianity and even Christ himself went out to the desert for 40 days and 40 nights. But salvation for us looks 
a little bit different, a little bit less like the mountaintop guru's enlightenment. Because for us, we receive the answers that we seek once we've made it back to the flock, not when we have removed ourselves from them. We see this in Scripture. It is in both of today's Scripture readings as well as so many others. In the Bible, there are so many accounts of God's people finding their way back to community. And so, there is a son who wanders off, squanders his inheritance, and once he's, he's broke, all his fair-weather friends leave him to make a living slopping the hogs. This is a version of hell in our religion. To be lost, alone, and far from home is the opposite of where God thinks we ought to be. And so to be saved, to be saved by God is something like what we see in this son's father who embraces him and restores him into a community. The same could be said of Jonah who tries to run away from it all, but keeps being brought back to people, even people who he doesn't like very much. Likewise, Moses leaves Egypt, but must return to his tribe, because that's just how it is. Again and again, this is the story. Ruth and Naomi find their way to a new homeland and a new community. The lost coin is found, the lost sheep gets back to the flock, the lost son finds his way home. Our our God is a shepherd who tries to get us back into groups where we will finally be happy and fulfilled. Only think about this for just a minute. How many of us think that we'll only really be happy once we've gotten away from everybody. I have a a friend who once told me that he went to visit his father in his new home out west. His dad is retired, divorced, and wealthy. So he left everything and everyone to live on top of a mountain in a cabin overlooking a valley. Apparently, it is the most beautiful prison that anyone has ever seen. My friends, in which direction is your life headed? Are you moving towards community or away from it? After 14 months of pandemic functioning, do you even... Remember how to be around people. Uh, That's okay if you don't, because all of us are a little awkward right now. But remember this. When it comes to our faith, moving towards others is moving towards salvation, while moving away is like walking towards hell. And so I, I worry about our culture. I worry about which religion has really taken our nation over. The social fabric of our society strains under the weight of deferred maintenance on basic human relationships. 
The institutions which once held us together are neglected. The poor are kept out of sight from the rich. The imprisoned are locked behind doors and punished with solitary confinement. And and on top of that is fear of a virus which still keeps many of us home, plus our response to that same virus divides us between those who wear masks and those who do not. In the midst of all of this, I can't help but think that we have forgotten how to get along, but not only that, have we forgotten what it really means to be a Christian? Some people, perhaps many people, believe that being a Christian can be reduced down to a few simple standards of faith. And so they'll say that we are no longer a Christian country because we no longer believe all the same things that we used to. However, let us not forget what lies at the core of who we are and who we know God to be. From the 23rd Psalm to the story of the prodigal son, we know that our God is a God of relationship. And that the divine is present wherever two or more are gathered together. We must never think that being solid in our convictions but isolated and alone is the picture of one who follows Jesus. For to be a Christian means to be restored in community and to work for the restoration of all, every one of God's children. We cannot be Christians all by ourselves. It says it right there in our second scripture lesson. We know love by this. That he laid down his life for us and we ought to lay down our lives for one another. How does God's love abide in anyone who has the world's goods and sees a brother or sister in need and yet refuses to help? Now that's a good question and we must not make it too complicated because we don't have to look very far these days to find people who are in need. I imagine that right now you can think of someone, maybe plenty of people, who who needs what you have to offer just right across the street or on the other side of the, the telephone. Just think about it. There is now a ministry of loneliness in Great Britain. The government has organized to do something about what, can, what some consider to be a, a loneliness epidemic, believing that being lonely for a day is as bad for your body as smoking 15 cigarettes that same day. Have you ever thought about that? How some of your, your neighbors only leave the house to go to the grocery store. Now, some folks on your street walk outside to to get the mail and just pray that someone will walk by who can call them by their name. This is true for far too many people in our country and even in our church. But this has always been true because there have always been those who find their way into isolation and then don't know how to break out of it. It was... Once a priest who decided that he would go and visit the entire congregation one by one. So house by house he went until finally he reached a place way out on the outskirts of town. 
The man who lived there hadn't been to the church in years and ages. He didn't have any use for it, he said. But the priest asked if he just, just might warm up by the man's fire before moving on. There, the priest moved one coal with the poker away from the rest and began asking the man questions, questions about his wife who had died and about his children who had moved away. They went on talking for a while, and then the, the priest drew the man's attention to the coal, which had by then gone out, having been moved away from all the others. And he said, The fire within us burns brighter when we join the family of faith from time to time. And so I charge you to reach out to someone today before the light goes out from within them. Having done so, the light will burn brighter within you. Amen. This podcast is a ministry of First Presbyterian Church of Marietta. Come join us Sundays at 189 Church Street, Marietta, Georgia, or visit us online at fpcmarietta.org. Thank you.